Welcome to the Transit Lounge. I'm your host, Chandra. As a recovering workaholic, I want to explore how you can do more of what you love without burning out. I'm on a mission to promote true well-being, the contented state of being happy, healthy, and prosperous. Through interviews with savvy entrepreneurs, authors, and industry experts, we'll share insights, inspiration, and practical tips on how you can be CEO you in the business of your life. Let's go. Hey, hello. My name's Chandra, and I am your host here at the Transit Lounge podcast. Welcome to another episode. Now, this episode is due to be released on Boxing Day. So if you're listening on Boxing Day, yay for you. But for others, you might be listening down the track. If you are listening around that Christmas and end of year season, then I think today's content or topic is going to hopefully be particularly useful for you because this time of year, often people find it quite stressful and they are spending a lot of time rushing from event to event. They're spending perhaps more time with their family that they might not see usually as often as they're seeing now. And it's a bit of an immersion situation, which sometimes can be great for people and other people don't find it that great. They find it quite stressful. There's people in their family that they just don't really connect with or that they find difficult to communicate with or that just push their buttons. So if that's you, then today's episode might be helpful. But even if that's not the case for you, the topic for today and the content I'm going to be sharing is something that I first came across literally years and years ago. And it is still a little story that I bring to mind every now and again. And I was reminded of this recently because uh, we had a, a chick's lunch and I offered to pick up one of our friends to drive her because we live on the same sort of side of town and it was a bit of a drive. So rather than both of us driving and parking, I thought, well, I'll pick her up and we can chat on the way. And I hadn't seen her for a while. And something that came up in the conversation reminded me of this story. And I thought to myself, I must share this story with her. And then I realized that actually it's a great story that I think other people would benefit from hearing as well. So I thought, well, I'm going to do an episode on it. And here we are. So I'm going to share and read you a little story or an excerpt from a book that I bought oh, maybe 15 years ago or something, maybe when I was living in Perth. I, when I was working at Nova in radio, I was working a lot and I was fairly stressed probably most of the time and at a point of questioning, you know, what my life was all about and was I really happy and what was I meant to really be doing with my life and all those kinds of things. And my sister and I went along to a meditation night at a Buddhist monastery place and the monk who was leading the meditation actually had written a book and so I decided to buy the book and have a read and I've had it ever since and there's lots of really great useful interesting quirky stories in it and I'd forgotten about this book actually and so thank you to Kate who said something to prompt me to remember it and to get it out. 
So the little excerpt is from a book which is called, now before I tell you, don't get all funny about it. It does have a title that sounds a little bit mushy and it's probably not a title of a book that I would have bought if I hadn't already connected or had an experience of what this monk was like. So the name of the book is Opening the Door of Your Heart. I told you it's a bit mushy. But anyway, the uh, author, the Buddhist monk, his name is Ajahn Brahm. I'm hoping I'm pronouncing that even somewhere in the vicinity of what's correct. And I love this book, really enjoyed my interaction with him. And uh, so I want to share the story with you now. So the, the title of this little mini section from the book is called Two Bad Bricks. And I'm just going to read it exactly how it is in the book. After we purchased the land for our monastery in 1983, we were broke. We were in debt. There were no buildings on the land, not even a shed. Those first few weeks, we slept on old doors we had bought cheaply from a salvage yard. We raised them on bricks at each corner to lift them off the ground. There were no mattresses, of course. We were forest monks. The abbot had the best door, the flat one. My door was ribbed with a sizable hole in the centre where the door handle would have been. I was glad the doorknob had been removed, but that left a hole in the very centre of my door bed. I joked that, that now I wouldn't need to get out of bed to go to the toilet. The cold truth was, however that the wind would come up through the hole, and I didn't sleep much in those nights. We were poor monks who needed buildings. We couldn't afford to employ a builder. The materials were expensive enough. So I had to learn how to build, how to prepare the foundations, lay concrete and bricks, erect the roof, put in the plumbing, the whole lot. I had been a theoretical physicist and high school teacher in my lay life, and I was not used to working with my hands. After a few years, I became quite skilled at building, even calling my crew the BBC, standing for Buddhist Building Company. But when I started, it was very difficult. It may look easy to lay a brick, just a dollop of mortar underneath, a little tap here, a little tap there. When I began laying bricks, I'd tap one corner down to make it level, and another corner would go up. So I'd tap that corner down, then the brick would move out of line. After I'd nudge it back into, into line, the first corner would be too high again. Ugh, you try it. Being a monk, I had patience and as much time as I needed. I made sure every single brick was perfect, no matter how long it took. Eventually, I completed my first brick wall and stood back to admire it. It was only then that I noticed, oh no, I'd missed two bricks. All the other bricks were nicely in line, but these two were inclined at an angle. They looked terrible. They spoiled the whole wall. They ruined it. By then, the cement mortar was too hard for the bricks to be taken out. So I asked the abbot if I could knock the wall down and start over again. Or even better, could I just blow it up? I'd made a mess of it and I was very embarrassed. The abbot said no, the wall had to stay. When I showed our first visitors around our fledgling monastery, I always tried to avoid taking them past my brick wall. I hated anyone seeing it. Then one day, some three or four months after I'd finished it, 
I was walking with a visitor and he saw the wall. That's a nice wall, he casually remarked. Sir, I replied in surprise, have you left your glasses in your car? Are you visually impaired? Can't you see those two bad bricks which spoil the whole wall? What he said next changed my whole view of that wall, of myself and of many other aspects of life. He said, yes, I can see those two bad bricks, but I can also see the 998 good bricks as well. I was stunned. For the first time in over three months, I could see other bricks in that wall apart from the two mistakes. Above, below, to the left and to the right of the bad bricks were good bricks, perfect bricks. Moreover, the perfect bricks were many, many more than the two bad bricks. Before my eyes would focus exclusively on my two mistakes, I was blind to everything else. That was why I couldn't bear looking at the wall or having others see it. That was why I wanted to destroy it. Now that I could see the good bricks, the wall didn't look so bad after all. It was, as the visitor had said, a nice brick wall. It's still there now, 20 years later, but I've forgotten exactly where those bad bricks are. I literally cannot see those mistakes anymore. How many people end a relationship or get divorced because all they can see in their partner are two bad bricks? How many of us become depressed or even contemplate suicide because all we can see in ourselves are two bad bricks? In truth, there are many, many more good bricks, perfect bricks, above, below, to the left and to the right of all the faults. But at times, we just can't see them. Instead, every time we look, our eyes focus exclusively on the mistakes. The mistakes are all we see, and they're all we think are there, so we want to destroy them. And sometimes, sadly, we do destroy a very nice wall. We've all got our two bad bricks, but the perfect bricks in each one of us are much, much more than the mistakes. Once we see this, things aren't so bad. Not only can we live at peace with ourselves, inclusive of our faults, but we can also enjoy living with a partner. This is bad news for divorce lawyers, but good news for you. I have told this anecdote many times. After one occasion, a builder came up to me and told me a professional secret. We builders always make mistakes, he said, but we tell our clients that it's an original feature with no other house in the neighborhood like it, and then we charge them a couple of thousand dollars extra. So the unique features in your house probably started out as mistakes. In the same way, what you might take to be mistakes in yourself, in your partner, or in life in general can become unique features, enriching your time here once you stop focusing on them exclusively. So that's the little story of the two bad bricks. And I think my memory of the conversation that reminded me of that story was that my friend had been painting her front fence of a house that they had bought in, in the last you know six to 12 months. And she was being very particular about it and there was something that she wasn't quite happy with and that she was trying to not be overly perfectionist about. And I think that's what prompted me 
to think of this story. So if you are listening, then thank you for prompting this story and hopefully it helps you to see the perfect painting around the imperfect. And I guess on a broader scale, some of the things that I like about this story is that you can use it to help manage your inner critic and your outer critic. We all have that inner voice that likes to beat ourselves up, to be pushing us to say not good enough, try harder or worse. And I certainly know that there have been times when I've been shocked by some of the things that my inner critic says to me about me, things that I would never say out loud to anyone else. And then at certain times in our lives, there'll be other people and other circumstances that challenge us. And that can also be a time where you can potentially think about these two bad bricks as a story and to see whether or not you can acknowledge those two bad bricks in the person, in the situation, but also expand your view to see more than just that. And interestingly, I listened to a guided meditation just the other day and it was talking about how when certain people can be triggering in our life and how can we handle that or respond in a wise way And one of the suggestions that they made was to picture that person who always says the thing that gets you fired up or has very different beliefs to you or a different way of living or operating to you that can sometimes, you know, be a trigger is to picture them uh, as their inner child dressed in adult clothing and the ridiculousness of that and to bring a sense of compassion to seeing that person not just for the thing that they are doing or saying that's triggering but as a whole person and that within them there is an inner child and an inner critic that they are battling too. And I'm not saying that that mind game is going to make it okay or forgive whatever they're saying or doing but I think I'm going to try that on for myself throughout this holiday season to just see if it gives me a broader perspective to allow me to take in more than just the two bad bricks. So that's what I wanted to share with you today and particularly at this time of year where it's a bit of a time of reflection. It can sometimes be a time of judgment of yourself or of others. Sometimes we catch up with people we haven't seen for a long time. They might be asking about how you're going, how your work is, Uh, And depending on how you would answer that or what's going on for you, that can sometimes be a little triggering. So my invitation for you is to try this on and to be curious about are you just focusing on the bad stuff and how can you broaden your perspective to see the perfection and the beauty that are around those two bad bricks? Let me know what you think. I hope that if you are listening at this end of year holiday season time that you're enjoying some well-deserved nurturing and nourishing time off with people who you love, including time for yourself. And I look forward to connecting with you in some way in the new year. Have a great week. Thanks for listening to The Transit Lounge. 
If you liked it, please do me a favor and leave a review so I can keep doing more episodes for you. And come and say hi in the private Facebook group, The Transit Lounge, being CEO you in the business of your life. I really look forward to connecting with you there. And until then, do whatever you can to create a future that you will love through the choices you make today.